cocaine positive, opiates positive, <laughs> benzos positive, cannabis positive, COVID-19 negative. Yay! <laughs> All right. <laughs> A great way to end another good week of shows here on Unscripted as we welcome you to this 480th episode of our program, only 20 episodes away from 500 episodes. Wow. Freeform Friday is what's up on tap here on Unscripted as we welcome you again to this little 480th version of our program, Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We are here. Hope everything is well, as well as things can be in your neck of the woods under these uncharacteristically weird times that we're living with uh, with this COVID-19 pandemic, but we will survive. As I saw Bill Walton the other day on ESPN, Bill Walton says, we will thrive and we will survive. Well, okay, mountain man, whatever you think, but um, we will survive. It's just, uh, we just don't quite know what the end result is right now. And we, I just plead with everybody out there in unscripted land to please listen to the proper authorities and your different health organizations as they are, they have become some of the most important people in our lives with updated information and telling us what we should and shouldn't do. And again, back in the first episode this week, I talked about a lady that got off an airplane here in Calgary earlier this week, went to a doctor to get tested for the uh, COVID-19 virus. Doctor said, go home right away and self-isolate yourself for 14 days. And this Yahoo went out to the local grocery store. We can't have that, folks. That's You hear the term that has become part of our, our uh, terminology or our vernacular these days called, uh, what is it when they, they're trying to level it out or flatten, flatten it curve. out, flatten the curve? That's what we're trying to do. And when you don't listen to your doctors, folks, that's not flattening the curve, Okay. So when your doctor tells you to go home and self-isolate for 14 days, do what the man says. Um, I'm about to lose my voice, so I'm thinking we're going to have to go a little shorter on on, on uh, Unscripted here in our Freeform Friday episode, and that's fine. We've had some great episodes. We went long on our NFL episode today. We went a little bit longer than usual on our bucket list, and it was great, and it was great to talk to Chris, and it was great to get together again. Um this uh, self-isolation sucks, man, I'm telling you, but we've got to do it. Uh, but for 480, it's our Freeform Friday. Chris goes on to our Twitter page to find out what people are talking about. I have a pretty good imagination of what they're talking about. But Chris finds whatever is interesting to him. He introduced it, we bantered about, and we go on to the next topic. Great way, again, to end another good week of shows here in Unscripted. And having said all that, I hand the controls of the microphone to the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke. Thanks, Mike. I've been uh, enjoying how uh, people, I guess celebrities on Twitter, seem to think they're saving the world because they're look they're artists, so they don't know how to do uh, you know any real uh, other stuff in the world. So they think that just randomly singing John Lennon lyrics is going to cure <laughs> us all, basically. So that's great. So uh, our our, uh, our our good buddy Gilbert Gottfried, uh, he uh, he had a response here. So it just takes a few seconds, but I'm going to play. It's going to start with a clip of. 
some, I'm assuming she's an actress or something, singing John Lennon, thinking she's saving stuff. Is this and then, that uh, Imagine song? or? Yeah, 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 of course it is, yeah. And so then, and then Gilbert Godfrey's response, here we go. Going and fucking yourself. <laughs> Rick even used like your even used your your catchphrase there. I know, I love it. Um, you know, it's funny. It it watching uh, uh, what's the guy Stephen Colbert on CBS last week and Jimmy uh, Fallon on NBC, both of them uh, last night actually. On the Friday night edition of The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy did it via Skype from his house. Mm -hmm. It's very weird to see these proven performers so out of their comfort zone, so out of their element. Um, It was funny, Colbert in front of an empty house, and that's got to be really something when you're you're used to having the Ed Sullivan Theater in downtown New York filled with, with adoring fans, and then you're sitting there basically with your band and... And, uh, you know, a few guests, but this is the time we live in and, uh, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little different, but again, um, we will, we will get through this. Uh, I just hope that we take the proper, uh, precautions and, and listen to the proper procedures from the health people that really are our bosses right now out there, folks. And again, I can't say this enough. Please listen to what they have to say, because I can tell you they're a lot smarter than I am. And when they have something important to say in regard to protecting yourself um, against this COVID-19 pandemic, please listen to them. I can't stress that enough. All right. uh, Jared Wade at Jared underscore Wade. Drinking alone last week. Depressing. Antisocial. I have a problem. Drinking alone today at 11 a.m. Conscientious. Courageous. Saving Nana's life. Yeah, absolutely. All the alcoholics that were really sur- were really concerned about drinking alone at 11.30 in the morning, uh, they now have an excuse to do so because, hey, we're self-isolating. And part of self-isolating is trying to figure out how to entertain yourself, right? Um, I'm going to be interested to see. This is funny. I thought about this the other day. And this is what happens when I have too much time on my hands. But can you imagine what the birth rates are going to be in about nine months. Well, considering a lot of people have been laid off, I hope that you're uh, using some birth control there. Or well, something. I hope so too, but you know, not not you know, some people think with the wrong head, and uh, you know, out of sheer boredom, there might be a little bit more uh, loving going on, and it'll be interesting to see. I don't mean to put a sick spin on it or anything, folks, but I mean, you get kind of desperate. You can only watch so many reruns. You can only watch so many movies. I've 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 been in basically self isolation now. For a week, and uh, I finally went out yesterday and took uh, about four or five episodes of Unscripted and went for a long walk yesterday, and I'm happy that Chris told me that doctors are saying you should get out and get some fresh air. Uh, but, you know, you you, you, you just, I feel um, like you almost, you're, you're, you're almost like you're hemmed in. You're, you're just feeling like, uh, you know, there's no way out, um, and I know that that's not true. But uh, I barbecued last night because I just needed to feel the fresh air, and I'm glad that I did. But again, the more, the more pain we can put ourselves through now and take, tackle this epidemic, excuse me, pandemic head on, the quicker we'll be able to get our lives, I'm hoping and praying, the quicker we tackle it head on now, 
the quicker that we're going to be able to get our lives back to some sort of normalcy. And that's what we're all shooting here for folks. So let's, uh, a little pain now will go a long way to getting our lives back a little bit quicker down the road. All right. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I think it had broke maybe late last night or this morning, but uh, a true legend did pass away, not from sports. But uh, this guy was, uh, you know, always been part of my life uh, because when my, when I was a baby, my parents would uh, play this guy, uh, his music, and I would, it was one of the only people I would respond to and I'd, and they'd put it on repeat and I would just really enjoy really? this guy. So... Uh, the Rogers family is sad to announce that Kenny Rogers passed away what? last night at 10.25 p.m. at the age of 81. Rogers passed away peacefully at home from natural causes under the care of hospice and surrounded by his family. And Jason Fitz at Jason Fitz said, Of all the headliners I ever toured with as an opening act, no one cared more than Kenny Rogers did. He stood side stage. He watched. He gave notes. He gave a damn about making you better at the job and freely gave advice that was always right. True legend. I had no idea. Um, I I really like Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Um, I think that I enjoyed him in the movie The Gambler, but I really enjoyed his music. His his music is iconic. It's it's lasted for fifty years. Um, I did not know that Kenny Rogers had passed. I appreciate you letting me know, but um, I'm I'm saddened by this. I uh, there's a, a, again. A lot of iconic songs that have been done as as a solo artist, and also Kenny Rogers was great as a dual artist with the likes of Dolly Parton and and some other big name country stars over the years. And um, my condolences, thoughts, and prayers go out to the Rogers family. I did know, in all honesty, that Kenny was in some failing health, but I didn't know that uh, he was this close to the to the finish line. And and it kind of resonates home to me because here's a man that's 81 my father's 82 and i talked to him last night and and uh he's going a little bit crazy in las vegas with no casinos and golf courses closed even though they broke the rules and went out and played golf yesterday but um uh, again on on the passing of of kenny rogers uh an icon a legend and uh uh, my sympathies go to the family. True loss. Yeah. I, I did not know, and I thank you for letting me know. Yeah, he transcended country music. I never even thought of him as a country artist. He was just Kenny Rogers. Right. So it was kind of his own thing. Correct. Kind of like, kind of like, you know, they call Michael Jackson the king of pop. Michael Jackson is Michael Jackson. He doesn't. He can't compare this, especially the crap today. Like with, I don't know. He's he's just an original, and Kenny Rogers was like that. He was just, Kenny Rogers' music was Kenny Rogers' Correct. music. It wasn't really comparable to anything else for me. Correct. Okay, uh, Patrick Keen at PH Keen. What's the loudest sports event you ever attended? Loudest sports event I ever attended. Um, I'm going to go back. I'm going to say, hmm, I'm going to say the 1995, I think it's 90, oh man. Oh no, that would be before that. Um, Jesus. Um, let's see. I've been to a lot of them. Let me tell you, folks. I'm thinking of when I think about this. I'm thinking about when they held uh, events. I, I I think it's safe to say that the loudest that I've ever been a witness to was a Wisconsin and Minnesota game, college football game back at the old Metrodome in Minneapolis. Uh, two hated rivals. Um, 
This was 2003, I believe. Again, in the old Metrodome, Minnesota played their home games in the Metrodome at that time. And the Metrodome um, gets very, very, very loud when you've got 60,000 hot, sweaty, because there was no circulation. There was no air conditioning in the old Metrodome. It was a shithole is what it was. But it could get really, really loud for sporting events. The Vikings, I've gotten to go to a couple of Vikings games in the old Metrodome, and that idiot that blows that horn when they make a first down, it really gets loud. Uh, So I would say a lot of different... um, I was fortunate enough to go to a World Series game uh, for the Twins in 91, Twins and Braves, and that was unbelievably loud uh, when Kirby Puckett hit a home run to win game six. Um, So I think a lot of different sporting events that I was fortunate enough to attend in the Metrodome in Minneapolis would be the loudest uh, sports uh, venues that I've been at, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. I thought this was funny. We don't have to talk about this too much. We kind of mentioned it already uh, when we were talking about the NFL stuff, but I thought this was funny. The Onion Sports Network at Onion Sports said, Bucks, as in Tampa Bay Bucks, sign replacement level veteran to hold down QB position until they draft starter with a picture of Tom Brady. <laughs> and then, and uh, I thought that was good. And then they brought up, a, there's a tweet that surfaced on the internet. This tweet was made August 29th, 2011. Oh and, it's, and there is no way this guy could have predicted the timing and how all of this would make so much sense. This is amazing. But yeah, so almost a decade ago, a guy tweeted, the entire country would shut down before Tom Prady would play for a team like the Buccaneers, LOL. Oh my God. <laughs> it's not ret- There's no way he understood There's how no, true oh that would be. This guy is above, way, way ahead of his time with that proclamation, considering we're shut down to the in regard to the COVID-19 pandemic, and Tom Brady became official yesterday, signed a two-year, $50 million contract, and he took less. Two-year, $60 million. Was it 60 or... It, it's... Oh, it, it was Drew Brees that, that signed on for 25 a year. That's true. And and Brady signed on for 30 a year. That's for, right. Well, so Brady, but some of those are incentives. So it could be up to 60, I guess. It's right. Between 50 and 60, depending on how... You're right. Kind of, Drew oh, Brees is the one that signed on the dotted line yeah. for 50 for two years because he wanted the... Uh, and I think because of his generosity, mm-hmm. that allowed them to sign Emmanuel Sanders and allowed them to do some creative things yeah. here in the first week of the uh, free agent frenzy. And again, again, we always talk about, uh, and rightfully so, Howie Roseman in Philly... Um, Chris Ballard in Indianapolis, John Lynch in San Francisco. Now, I think you've got to put Mickey Loomis from the New Orleans Saints in that group. Yeah, well. Mickey Loomis is the king of uh, working with the cap and rejigging things, changing things to signing bonuses and freeing up cap well, space. He's very good. And at you know, that. I, again, I said this in our NFL episode, but uh, getting Malcolm Jenkins back on their back end is really going to help yeah, the New, New Orleans nice. Saints defense with Lattimore already back there. Mm-hmm. New Orleans is getting to be a damn good football yeah, team. Yeah, they really are. They just have to play their first game away from the Superdome next year in the playoffs. How's mm-hmm. that? Yep. Uh, okay, and so uh, Sunday Night Football on NBC at SNF on NBC, they decided to ask who has the best fans in the N- in the NFC. And so what they did is they did it by Twitter voting or something or they or they posted it on Twitter. I don't know if the if the voting was on Twitter, but they did voting, so it's very inexact. But they did it by seeding based on the conference finishes, and then they uh, or divisional finishes, I think, and then they went from there. They did like a bracket tournament. Yeah. So uh, based on voting on who has the best fans in the NFC, Packers beat the Lions, uh, Vikings beat the Bears, uh, Saints over the Panthers, 
Falcons over the Bucks, Eagles over the Redskins, Cowboys over the Giants, uh, Niners over the Falcons, and Seahawks over the Rams. And then the semis, uh, the Packers beat the Vikings, the Saints beat the Falcons, Eagles beat the Cowboys, and Seahawks beat the Niners. And then the Packers beat the Saints to go to the finals, the Seahawks beat the Eagles to go to the finals, and Sunday Night Football has declared that the Green Bay Packers have the best fans, defeating the Seahawks uh, for the right to have the best fans in the NFC. Well, folks, um, you've probably heard me say this a million times, so I won't go onto a deep dive, but there has not been an empty seat at the old City Stadium. Now we know it as Lambeau Field in Green Bay. It was renamed in the 50s, but it was originally City Stadium in Green Bay. There has not been an empty seat for a Packers game since 1958. I don't have to say anything else. Um, I know of people that have been on the waiting list for 20-some years and will be on the, tw- on the waiting list for season tickets another 20 years. Um, it's just incomprehensible. Um, this is a town of 100,000 people. It's in, it's in a, a, an area of well over a million, but there's a bunch of little individual towns and hamlets in the Green Bay area. They call it the Fox River Valley. Um, it's eerily similar to people from Saskatchewan. It's what it is. It's the same thing. Um, these Packer fans are, are unbelievably loyal. You've heard me say the 29 years of crap between Coach Lombardi and Coach Mike Holmgren. Um, and yet every damn week, whether the game... Remember, the Packers up until 1994 played half of their home games, half of their eight home games. Five of them were in Green Bay. Three of them were at the old county stadium in Milwaukee because they were trying to give... Packer fans in southern Wisconsin a chance to see the Packers play because people from Milwaukee could not get tickets to watch the Packers in Green Bay. And you've got to go, and and where you really see the depth of the Packer fans is when, and Chris will remember this, a couple years ago when the Packers played the Rams in Los Angeles at the Coliseum, and there were 93,000 seats, and more than half of the stadium were filled with Packer fans. The Packer fans that day outdrew the Rams fans in downtown Los Angeles. It happens all over the place. The Packers travel well. Um, A lot of of guys like me. The only reason I've been able to get to Packer games the last, I don't know how many years, is because my brother lives in the Green Bay area. And when he's happy with me, he'll give me tickets. When he's pissed off at me, I don't hear from him. So um, that's the only way I can get Packer tickets. He has season tickets? His company does. His company does. And so Dave gets a couple of, of, of Packer tickets every year. And there, when we were getting along, um, I would get to go to a, a Packer game, at least one every year. Now we're not so much friends anymore, so I don't get that invite. But the Packer fans are uh, they're loyal, they're hard-headed, um, very passionate. And um, it's funny when... Like that scenario, I just I'll I'll even I'll even take it. When I lived in Vegas, the closest team to an NFL city at the time, because remember, Los Angeles did not have a team in the '90s. Obviously, the Raiders were in Oakland, the Rams were in St. Louis. The closest team to Las Vegas was the Phoenix, now known as the Arizona Cardinals. Um, this was when the Cardinals were playing in the Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe, where the Arizona State uh, Sun Devils play. That's about an eighty thousand seat. Uh, venue. I remember going down to a regular season game and the, the, the stadium was not full. This is when the Cardinals were dog shit. 
But there were probably 70,000 people in the stadium. And I'm telling you right now, 60,000 of that 70,000 were Packer fans. I swear to God, because people do not have the opportunity to get to a game in Lambeau. So you've got to be creative and you've got to catch them on the road. And Packer fans, Steeler fans are synonymous with traveling well. And uh, I don't think there's anybody better at traveling with their favorite team than Packer fans. Yeah, no, that's yeah, good point. Uh, Adam Rank at Adam Rank. Trying to replace DeAndre Hopkins with Randall Cobb is like trying to replace your stolen car with a toaster. Uh, and uh, the other thing I want to say, another tweet related to that, because I'll let you comment on that, because uh, we can use your background with Randall Cobb, who at, certainly at one point was really good, but I mean, he's getting old now. Uh, so Scott Pianowski at Scott underscore Pianowski had a quote. And so for background on this, uh, my favorite movie is Rounders, where Matt Damon becomes a prof- uh, professional poker player. Oh, have, okay. have you ever seen that movie? No. Uh-uh. My favorite movie. If you ever heard it, Rounders. Oh, Rounders. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's my favorite movie I've watched a million times. The very first line shows him getting ready. He's rounding up his whole bankroll, and he's going to go play in a super ultra-high stakes game, and he's getting ready, and you just hear him as the narrator, Matt Damon, and he says the line, if you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. Yeah. And so Scott Pianowski says, if you can't spot the Texans GM in the first half hour of free agency, then you are the Texans GM. (laughs) Randall Cobb to replace DeAndre Hopkins in 2020. Your thoughts? Um, Randall Cobb had a first uh, really good three or four years in Green Bay. Then he got his second contract and he became very vulnerable to injury. Um, And I think that that continues to plague him today. Randall Cobb is a good player. I mean, um, to last as long as he has with a five foot nine, five foot 10 at most frame. um, You know, I, I I think that's a credit to him, but um, his numbers on his second contract paled in comparison to his rookie contract when he was in green Bay and he's working with Aaron Rodgers. Um, all I'm going to say is I'm disappointed and I don't want to go on and on about this because both Chris and I have made our feelings about butt chin and really the whole Houston Texans organization. We've made our feelings quite known. They're poorly run. And I think that's going to cost them some superstars, whatever superstars they've got left. Um, you know, I think JJ Watt's going to ask for a trade here soon. I think there's going to be a lot of people looking to get on the first train out of Houston. Deshaun Watson, how Deshaun why Watson, would you want to play there? Why exactly? And and you're throwing away his best option. And he's got no O line to begin with. Like correct. I mean, there's just so many problems with the Houston team. Um, if they're expecting Randall Cobb to replace the numbers that Hopkins brought to the Houston team. They are sadly mistaken, and unfortunately, the person that's going to suffer the most is going to be Randall Cobb because the Houston fans are going to boo, and they're not going to be happy. But Randall Cobb is not your main guy. Randall Cobb has not been the main guy for years. He's been injured. Uh, last year, he, you know, he was behind Amari Cooper. He was probably even, in regard to targets, he was probably even, he was probably even behind Jason Witten, who was coming off a one-year stint in the booth with McFarland and that other idiot. So um, Randall Cobb is a complimentary player. Randall Cobb, to me, at this point of the game, should be a punt returner and a third or fourth receiver, not one of your main targets. And again, I blame the Houston uh, Texans organization for putting this 
kind of on Randall Cobb. He doesn't deserve it. He's not up to it at this point of his career anymore, and he physically cannot put up the numbers, in my opinion, that Hopkins could in Houston. That's right. Okay, final three tweets. Uh, Onion Sports Network at Onion Sports. Kansas basketball devastated. They won't get opportunity to vacate national championship. <laughs> well, you know what? Kansas has got to be more worried about national championships. Now, they have they were made quote-unquote, in air quotes here, the, myth, the mythical national champion, just the champions this year because in the AP poll, they ended up a unanimous number one. That doesn't mean squat. Kansas has to be more worried in this offseason about obviously getting through the COVID-19 pandemic, but Kansas has got to watch out and Bill Self has got to, has got to watch out because the NCAA has officially served Kansas with some paperwork about some recruiting violations. So Kansas has been in trouble with the NCAA before when Larry Brown was the coach there in the late 80s. It led to Larry, forced Larry Brown out of Kansas. And I'm afraid Kansas has got their hand caught in that proverbial cookie jar again. And I think that the biggest thing that the Kansas basketball program needs to worry about this offseason is not the way they ended this 2019-2020 season. It's how they're going to approach the 2021 season because Kansas could be in trouble with the NC2A. And remember this, Kansas University in Lawrence, Kansas is only about an hour and a half away from the head of the NC2A the whole operation, the head of the National Communists Against Athletes, the NCAA's home office is in Overland Park, Kansas, which is right outside Kansas City. So it wouldn't be hard for the NCAA to take a day trip down to Kansas and start screwing with people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so PK Ripper at Amaze652, he posted some good news on his drug test. So here's the results of his drug test. Cocaine, positive. Opiates, positive. <laughs> Benzos, positive. Cannabis positive, COVID nineteen negative. Yay! <laughs> All right, good. Congratulations, man. You know, I found it hilarious. And congratulations to this guy for uh, being uh, free and clear so far of the COVID nineteen pandemic. But I found it funny. You know, co-op, the grocery stores here in Calgary have gotten uh, into the pot business, into the cannabis business. And it was funny. They sent out a a um, they sent out a thing on, on a mass email to all their, their customers in Southwest Calgary. And then they probably did it throughout the whole city, but this is the one that affected us. The co-op in on 85th Street Southwest and the co-op on Richmond Road Southwest are the two closest co-ops to my house. And they made it mandatory that these are the hours the pharmacy is open. This is the hours that the grocery store will be open. And in, it was funny, they made a big line. This is the hours that the cannabis store will be open during the COVID-19 pandemic. So obviously uh, cannabis has been a big seller so far for (laughs) co-op. It's just, you know, there has been so much change in my life, in Chris's life, in Martina's life. Uh, That's Chris's terrific wife, Martina, my wife, Judy, my kids, your parents, everybody's life has had seen so much change. So much change in 2019 going into 2020. But did any of us really think, let's be honest here, did any of us really think that the day was going to come when countries have legalized marijuana? I didn't think, realistically, I didn't really? think. Really? Oh, I well, did. I didn't. And, and, and again, I'm probably a bit naive here. Um, I, I, I have tried marijuana. 
Uh, I get the giggles and I get hungry. Um, but I, in my life, I really didn't think that um, pot was going to become legal. I, I just, again, maybe I'm living in an idyllic world, but all I can believe is that of all the changes, obviously this, this COVID-19 thing is, you know, the number one on the priority list of change that we're going through right now. But I realistically in my life didn't think that I'd see the day that there are a number of U.S. states and all 11 Canadian provinces have legalized the selling over-the-counter of cannabis. I'm surprised by that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I just, uh, I, I always kind of thought they would. I don't know about the states as a country. That that would be a big yeah. shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, other countries and individual states, it doesn't really Well, you know, the funny me. thing is, I think once, you know, when Colorado became the first state mm-hmm. to legalize down in the United States, when they were able to erase six months or their whole uh deficit the whole deficit budget deficit in six months i thought that there would be a lot more people jumping on the bandwagon because here's a way basically to print money yeah but some governments have fucked it up like no, in, I, Qu- in quebec they lost five million dollars selling pot somehow which is well, just amazing I, I i you know i i get that but i just thought you know canada did it with all 11 provinces i just thought that especially when we saw the massive turnaround and the quick turnaround of money available to the government in the state of Colorado, I thought that there would be more states that might jump on board. Yeah. All right. Before I say the last tweet, I just wanted to mention a couple that came to mind. I had seen this week where uh, one guy had said, <laughs> he, had, he had said, I love that Tom Brady left Boston on St. Patrick's Day when people can't go out. I, I, <laughs> which, which think about the odds That's of that. Great. Isn't yeah. that hilarious? I'm still in shock of the guy from 2011 predicted that there would be a massive shutdown yeah like before to take, Tom take the world yeah. yeah i know yeah and then i saw i saw a video of the vegas strip on saint patrick's day it was like one car as far as the eye could see it was surreal oh yeah um and oh, then yeah. but then there was it also and the humorous aspect of it there was a a news reporter was covering it i don't know if it was i think it was, it was on saint patrick's day but covering more covid19 but then just on the side of the frame you could see for some reason there's some big black guy standing there in a saint patrick's day shirt and it just said suck my dick i'm irish <laughs> <laughs> which i just thought was 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 funny but anyways you can like just kind of see it like creeping into the frame as she's trying to do her serious news report so i just thought that was funny and then um oh i, I forgot to say this um uh, with the Bill O'Brien thing, I was going to say these two other tweets where um, one uh, one guy got a tweet from someone who works in the NFL uh, describing Bill O'Brien as Lloyd Christmas, who, of course, is Jim Carrey's character in Dumb and oh, Dumber. okay. All right. Right? Lloyd Christmas. Yeah. And then someone else said, traps you can fall into when working from home, Eat- eating lunch at 11 a.m., never changing out of your joggers, lack of human interaction, trading DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> like, these are some of the traps... You can fall into when you just kind of get stuck at home and you're not thinking straight. I don't think the NFL, the fans of the NFL, are going to let the Houston Texans forget what they did a couple of weeks, oh, a couple of days ago with trading of, no, of Hopkins. They're just not going to let them forget that. For Unbelievable. Damn sure. Okay, uh, last tweet of the day, and uh, this was great. You'll appreciate this one because so I'm saying I, I want to put money down on the Colts to win the Super Bowl this year. They are going to be all in. They have got lots of money. They've got great leadership. They've got now Rivers. They've got maybe the best O line in the league. Not only were they the best O line in the league last year, they didn't. I don't think any of them missed a game. And now you re-sign the left tackle, maybe the most important part of that, Anthony Costanzo, to a mm-hmm. two-year deal. Yep. He had thought about retirement, but now he's right. back to win a Super Bowl, hopefully. 
And now, like, how nice is it for Philip Rivers to have an amazing O line? I, I mean, he's been playing with no O line for how long? Yep. So then, uh, Joey at uh, Joey Molinaro uh, responded to the Philip Rivers news about going to the Colts, playing for a great O line. He said, "Wouldn't have pegged him as a guy to go somewhere with good protection." <laughs> Well, I'm happy for Philip Rivers. I hope he takes full advantage of this opportunity. I would say one thing that we need to caution Colts fans about. Chris rattled off a bunch of really good things there, and I, I'm totally on board. I agree with him a thousand percent. But I think one thing that we need to keep tabs on, Indianapolis organization and fans, keep Ursay under glass. Keep him hidden somewhere. Keep him out of bars. Keep him out of places where he can drink. When he starts drinking, silly things come out of his mouth. That's the only thing that I could think that could derail the Indianapolis Colts right now. They've got, like you said, a good GM, really good coach. They now have a franchise quarterback. Um, they've got a lot of positives in Southern Indiana. Let's just make sure that Jim Ursay doesn't screw it up. Yeah, let's see if, yeah, yeah, they got a bad owner, but they got a good GM. So, uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll see a Colts-Ravens AFC championship game. Could be uh, could be really good. Oh, and, and just to mention, uh, I did like how NFL memes at NFL underscore memes uh, showed some of the empty store shelves, and they said, y'all have Walmart looking like the Detroit Lions trophy case. <laughs> and uh, that was good. And then Sean's not going to like us. No, no, he's not. And uh, and our buddy Mike Leach, I, I can't seem to go a week without having Mike Leach at coach underscore Leach. He, his Twitter account, a lot of it stuff isn't stuff he wrote. He finds it, and he likes to post it, and he seems like just a fun guy. And he said, day two without sports, found a lady sitting on my couch. Apparently, she's my wife. She seems nice. <laughs> I've said it repeatedly, and I'll say it again. Next year's Egg Bowl between Mississippi State and Ole Miss, Mike Leach on one side, Lane Kiffin on the other. It is going to be a classic. And it doesn't matter. They, each of these teams could come in with losing records. But when you get these two egomaniacs together, and the way they use Twitter, and the creative way that they use social media, it's going to be fun. I'm telling you right now, uh, have your Thanksgiving dinner down in the U.S. next year, late in the afternoon, and make sure after some of the boring NFL games are done, tune in to what ESPN does on Thanksgiving night down there. They traditionally play the Egg Bowl between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. That will be one for the ages. Uh, folks, I can't go anymore. The voice is gone. Um, I appreciate Chris uh, opening up his home and letting us get back together again this week and uh, do our weekly episodes of Unscripted. Very appreciative of getting out of the house. Uh, I feel safe here, so thank you very much for that. Um, we've got to run, though. Voice can't go anymore. When the voice can't go, it's time to hit the road. So that's what we're going to do. Putting, uh, again, putting another good week of shows on tape. Chris will get these up on our different nine me different uh, social media avenues as soon as he possibly is able to do so, and we thank him for that. I thank all of you for participating and truly hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.